0: Hello and welcome back to season two of the Armago podcast. Now you will notice that I have changed the name from Game On The Podcast to the Armago podcast and I will be explaining that at a later date. Now in season two we've got some really 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 exciting guests. We've got international sports players, we've got world record holders, we've got Olympic medalists. Um, So it's really really very exciting but firstly I just want to tell you why I decided to set this up. So I set it up uh, around the start of the first lockdown and it was really to try and find some motivation to stay fit, to stay in shape, to stay exercised um, but also looking at the people around me um, as a chance to be able to provide them with some inspiration to keep them going through lockdown um, and it was great to be able to speak to all these la- athletes at this period um, of difficulty in all our lives. Now, I also want to say thank you to David Simpkins who's doing the music um, and Angus Straddok as well who recently came on to support in sourcing new guests who fit in with what we're doing here at Armago, which is all about about breaking down the barriers to sport and making it easy for young people to be able to get into sport. Um, Now, Armago's got a lot of stuff up and coming. Next year, we're releasing an app um, at university. We've been in contact with several different universities around the release of this for different sports, Um, so more to follow on that. And we're also going to be running Instagram Lives, Um, And as a little sneak preview, we've got the first ever guy uh, to complete an Ironman with Down Syndrome um, coming on for our first live, uh, likely next week, which is really exciting. Um, Now, in this first episode, we've got Zander Fagerson joining us. Um, Zander Fagerson plays for Scotland Rugby um, and for the Glasgow Warriors team as well. He was the first player to reach 50 caps at just the age of 21. Um, He's often seen playing prop for Scotland um, and played recently in the Six Nations and he will be playing in the Autumn Cup as well. He is a really nice uh, bloke, devotes a lot of time to his family um, and he's a phenomenal rugby player as well. So without further ado, let's get into this. Hi <laughs> thank you very much for joining us today on the podcast. Uh, it's absolutely brilliant to have you back. Uh, now, I know you've been very busy at the moment with the whole house situation, um, so I just kind of want to start. Are you able to explain a little bit about balancing family life and being a professional rugby player?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's fun at times. Um, it can be difficult, but I'm really lucky that I've got a great sport network around me. Um, with my wife's family and my family both helping out, um, especially my wife's family who are just five minutes along the road. Um but yeah, it's uh it's given me a lot more drive, a lot more purpose having kids. Um I always wanted to have kids young and didn't think I would have them this young, but it's been a blessing. and um, definitely I think um I think the, the day that my daughter was born, you know, it sort of gave you gave me a real kick up the arse thinking that I'm not just providing for me and my wife anymore or my two dogs. It's, uh, I've got someone else to look after you know I got told before I said when your first or when your children are born the next day it's weird because you wake up and the first thing you think about is your kids and not yourself and um, that was so true for me you know Um she was in overnight with my wife in hospital and I just couldn't wait to go and see her but uh, it was also the week we played the semi-final at Ulster, against Ulster at Scottsdale so it was, it was a busy week and I Luckily, got I got a bit of sleep, but uh, it was amazing. And um, but yeah, nah, it's just um, for me, life balance is key. You know, I think I used to look at work as the tough part of my day, and when I'd come home, I'd relax and chill with the dogs and playing the PlayStation, muck around. And then now I sort of I look at at home's my work, which is kind of funny to say, but
0: yeah,
1: I um, at home I don't want to muck it up. I want to be the best that I can be, and. The rugby, you know, I'd, I'd rather be a, a great dad, and I want to be a great rugby player. But family comes first, you know. So for me, getting to work is a switch off. You know, I don't, I don't have anyone to. I have no responsibilities. I just have to focus on myself, do my own prep, keep my get my body right, train, do my recovery, get home, and then it's and then the hard work starts. But uh, I absolutely love it, and then um, definitely during lockdown, uh, having the birth of Hamish, uh, my wee boy, he's not so wee anymore, but it was uh, it was amazing and gave me real drive. First yeah, ten weeks of lockdown made it all fly by. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, now nah. so he was a big boy. And he was nine and three when he was born. And, but yeah, now nah, I think, I think having his birth to look forward to made the first ten weeks fly by. Mm. And then the rest of it was just enjoying time with both. And then my, my, my little girl started walking at the start of lockdown, and now she's running, playing, digging stuff. So uh, yeah, it's been awesome. But life balance is tough. But uh, I think it brings out the best of me, even though I'm not getting as much sleep as I'd like. But uh, now nah, absolutely loving it. But no more kids for for a while.
0: Yeah, (laughs) brilliant here that you're coming so well with that. Um, I know it's quite important as well with the players that you play with to have a good kind of relationship with them off the field as well. Um, So how do you go about kind of being able to spend a bit of time with the lads as well?
1: Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, I used to be, I never, I've not really been the social, I'm not a massive social guy, I'm quite professional. Um, From a young age, you know, I'd, I'd go do my pool recovery, my stretching and, Go out for coffees and stuff. I'm, I'm more of a coffee guy. I don't go out for beers. So um, don't get me wrong. I'll celebrate a good win. And uh, I think away trips definitely, um, especially last couple of seasons, having had the injuries I've had and stuff, I've, I've realised that um, doesn't matter how you play, as long as you got, you got to build these relationships and enjoy it. You know that's the first the first part of rugby. Is you, if you want to play well, you got to enjoy it. So um, yeah, and no, I think having going for coffees with the guys, you get a good catch up and or a dog walk and uh, that's what I like do with the guys but with the family it's it's uh my main priority is only only if the boss says so so I'll text the wife and can me a text back pretty quickly no you're coming home or <laughs> yeah you can go for half an hour that's fine. and um, I think the kids are going to start nursery soon so hopefully I'll get a little bit more time to myself but well um now having those good relationships and a family vibe and, and a team environment is key you know and if 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 I can relate to the guy beside me, and I've, I know he's got my back and he's got mine, yeah. means means when we play, and the pressure is on, I can trust him. You can trust me. You know, if you're alienated and you're not, you've not got a tight squad, uh, it's quite tough. So you got to have pretty thick skin. You get the piss taken out of you a lot, especially when a young boy. But I've uh, I've done my time. I'm now not one of the young ones. So
0: that's on to someone
1: else. So yeah, no, nah, it's good.
0: Like you you mentioned about kind of being quite professional from a young age. Um, so interested to hear. When did you actually, you know, get into rugby? Uh, and then I'm also just to know, when did you start properly taking it seriously uh, and start aiming to be a professional rugby player that you are now?
1: So, yeah, I started playing rugby. It was touch rugby in primary three. Um, my dad played. My my grandfather didn't play, but all my uncles played. Um, my grandfather was the chaplain up at Rannock School. And uh, so his famous one is he, he taught Tom Smith, um, the famous player, sadly, is with just now, but... Um, he said he gave he said he was a phenomenal basketball player and uh, he gave him all the tools he all the all the ball handling skills he's got now were due to my grandfather. So uh he'll appreciate me telling everyone that. But uh yeah, so starting primary three, dad really pushed me into it and um said just give it a bash, you know. And I think um primary three was touch. I wasn't too invested, but I enjoyed playing with it and stuff. I was more into football. And then primary five came and it was full contact and I was like, so I gotta hit him as hard as I can and I don't get in trouble. This is brilliant. So, of course, um, yeah, loved it from then on. And then took it all the, way th- all the way through, yeah, ever ever since. And uh took it home and I tackled my little brothers. So uh, that's why Matt's a, a rugby player as well. And so was a agree with my other brother Nathaniel. So, uh, yeah, they, they got it pretty tight. But we're, we're quite a rugby family. We always used to watch Six Nations and stuff when it was on. Mm. And, and uh, we we'd we love the summer tour games in November. We'd be all on TV. And it's sort of now... It's not religion in our house because we're all Christians and God comes first. But if there's rugby on, it'll be on the TV. So my mum hates it, but I quite enjoy it. But uh, yeah, so I, I think for me, I've always been. I think we spoke about before, but my parents were really great and they pushed all of us, all me, me, all my siblings, into loads of different sports. So mm. I did tennis, I did badminton, I did swimming, I did kayaking, I did rock climbing, I mountain biking. For me, though, was the big one, and because of where we live. As you'll know, there's not much to do. Um, so it was golf and mountain biking for me for a long time. Um, and then when the rugby season started and the weather got bad, it was then hitting people and playing rugby. So it was, uh, yeah, I got a great life balance with that. And my parents were really good at making sure they didn't push us and force us into anything. They just said, if you enjoy it, you do it. So they, they, they never moaned about being our personal taxis uh, for the last, what, however, 20 years. And still, I think they're still driving my sister all all over the place so they've had (laughs) tough innings but they enjoyed it but yeah I think for me the penny dropped when I went to Strathalne I went there my last two years at school and into boarding school in Perth and uh, I got a scholarship there for rugby and at the time the um, director of rugby Andy Henderson who was was massive for me a key player in my development and uh, sort of having a tight head prop and then from school did all right didn't really do that well at, in my exams because I met my wife and would rather hang out with her than do my studying. But uh, left school and I can persuade mum and dad that if I wanted to be a professional rugby player, I needed to move to either Glasgow or Edinburgh to get some out of rugby. In. And so I would have loved to play with Dundee High FPs, which was always the goal. But sadly, uh, I had to, I moved to Glasgow and played for Hawks, which was a phenomenal club and really welcomed me in there. And I had a great coach there in Jimmy Sinclair, but that first year, I was at college. I managed to persuade mum that I would do some studying to get me to Glasgow she'd help me out. I had a two-bed flat with a Kiwi guy who played for GHK, the club beside us, a good guy called Paddy. And, yeah, I literally... It was chicken and rice, you know, it was a proper tight budget. Lido every Monday. We'd get as much as we could for our budget for the week. I didn't have any money to go out. I barely had enough money for going out for a few drinks after the game, so the older boys looked after me pretty well, made sure I was legless. But uh, yeah, I had a great year with, at Hawks, and then I was doing all my training um, in the Scottsdale Gym with the with the academy, pretty much, and then all my extra sessions at Lock Inch. So, yeah, it was sort of I was a, a professional rugby player on a tight budget, funded by myself, going to college as well. So, for me, that was probably my hardest year of rugby I've ever had. You know, just trying to balance everything out, and money was pretty tight. And um, yeah, I had to make some sacrifices and when all the boys were going out on the, for beers and stuff, going out for food, I sort of had to say, well, I, I can't really, I can't go out tonight, I'm going to do a pool session, or I'm going to go and do some stretching or do some analysis and make sure that I was ready for the weekend. So, that paid off.
0: Did you say it almost, um, um, but- it almost pushed you harder, you know, knowing that these guys perhaps, you know, because, you know, as you say, you're eating rice and chicken and that's about it. Um, do you think that, that sort of, that the environment that you're in almost pushed you harder to go and achieve more?
1: Yeah, it definitely gave me a hunger, you know. I, I left school pretty heavy. I had everything given to me on a plate. Uh, school by rugby, I was 135 kilos at 17 at school. I could squat 240 kegs for five and bench 150 for five. You know, I was super strong, super big, terribly unfit. But school rugby, I sort of rugby, I was the biggest player on the pitch most of the time, um, which was quite easy for me. It was then the step up to adult. I, I was playing. I thought I would go and play for Hawks first, and literally, first training session, I got absolutely drilled in the scrum because i just moved to tight hit that last season. And uh, I was really lucky that Jimmy Sinclair, the forwards coach there, he was awesome for me and um, really set me set me straight, did loads of extra work with me and really gave me a hard time. But I was in the twos that whole year and uh, it really gave me a hunger because I, I, of course, thought I was the big balls and then got brought down a few pegs and really humbled me, which at the time I was... Pretty gutted about, but it was the best thing to happen to me, you know. And uh, we had a really great twos team actually that year. We competed with the ones quite a lot in training, and I got I got to against some great props at, at Hawks, so it really helped me develop.
0: When you say when you say Jamie was a, a yeah. great coach for you, um, you know what were the sort of things that he was doing for you that pushed you on to the next level?
1: Uh, Jimmy uh, Jimmy Sinclair, I call him the Snorlax. He's got a great mustache. He's a great man, though, and, uh, yeah, he would just, he would ride me pretty hard, you know. If I was in training and I mucked up a pass, he'd be like, oh, Xander, where are you playing at? And then if I um, if I missed a tackle in training or in a game, you know, he'd go over games with me. Before every training session, I'd be there for half an hour before looking at my scrums from last weekend with him, and he would sit down with me and say, right, this is good positioning. This is, your feet were too extended. You need to work harder here on the hit, you know, and, he would then take me out I and mean, we would do extra hits on the machine, we would do body shape stuff. He was just, he went the extra mile for me. I really appreciated it and uh, I probably don't tell him enough, but he was uh, he was awesome for me. But then, as that season went on and I went from adult rugby to under-18s, I, I then was lucky enough to get selected for under-20s, Junior World Cup, which was an unbelievable experience over in New Zealand. Uh, made some great friends there and had a great time. But, the under-18s to under-20s is a big step up. It's a lot bigger boys and the scrums especially was tough. So for me, it's sort of back of fire, but I really enjoyed it.
0: Now, I know you were the fourth youngest prop in Scottish history when you started playing for Scotland at just 20. Um, so what was it like, you know, being so young with all these older players?
1: Yeah, looking back on it, I was, I was really in my shell, you know. Um, my first camp, uh, Jim Hamilton was there and he's, he's a funny guy and, he was proper getting stuck into me, you know, but in a nice way. But he was he was just taking the piss out of me. I was just like laughing at it, like not saying anything. <laughs> Didn't really talk much. But I was really lucky that I had a lot of Glasgow boys around me, you know. And um, WPL was was great for me then, and he's been great for me now. You know, he's been a really good, really good teacher as well as as a good friend. So we he, he helped me some stuff, and you know, before the game, just said, just do your role, take it easy, and just enjoy. it, You know, so it was uh yeah, it was easy to go from that season at Glasgow to then get a Scotland cap and looking back, it definitely was a baptism of fire again, which has happened a lot in my career and I felt I did some good stuff, I felt I did some bad stuff in that game, but at the end of the day, I had my family at Murrayfield and they got to see me play for Scotland for the first time. I was just, I remember my dad saying he couldn't be proud of you, know, and it was, was really chuffed, my parents got called up when I got my cap to get applauded and said, these guys are the reason why he's here, and I couldn't agree with them more. You know, it was a very emotional, very proud day for my family, and it showed me what Test match rugby was all about. It doesn't get much harder than the Calcutta Cup, and uh, yeah, it gave me a hunger to to drive on and play more international and play more for Glasgow.
0: Absolutely, and I know what you know when you start playing for Scotland, even Glasgow as well. You get quite a lot of press attention and that sort of thing. How do you feel in front of the camera? Yeah,
1: I'm. I'm I'm usually me you know I'm pretty honest you know and um, if you ask me a question I'll be an honest answer mm. I don't try and I, I, I never feel that I'm fake just tell it how it is so if I'm not playing well and, and you tell me I'm, I'm playing great I'll, I'll correct you and say you're talking out your arse you know so I, I don't mind it it's not a part of the it's part and parcel of the game these days you know as the game grows and as media grows if players don't do media the game isn't going to grow so if, I need, if you need to do that as part of your contract and part of, part of the deal, sign me up, you know, I'll do as much as they want. So I don't mind it. I quite enjoy it until journal, journals sometimes misquote you or, or completely change what you say. And then I get a bit pissed off. But it's part and partial.
0: There's a lot of players that really want to get into international rugby. It's a very, very difficult, competitive scene. Uh, a lot of people playing at schoolboy level. Uh, trying to push up to play for these big squads and then eventually play internationally. Um, are you able to give any advice to people like that?
1: Yeah, massively. Um, for me, the best advice I could give you is just enjoy your rugby, you know. I think, especially with these big games and stuff, if you get too caught up in the moment or you think about it too much, you overthink everything and then you overthink, why am I here? Am I good enough? What if I do this? What if I do? That, that's just going to make you play terrible, you know. So it's all about confidence and going in and saying, you know what, this is a great opportunity, let's have some fun. And just celebrate the small wins. You know, you look at Saracens against Leinster two weeks ago. Every time there was a turnover, every time there was a tackle, they were they were cheering, giving each other slaps in the back. You know, positivity is is, is uh, contagious. You know, it just spreads. So for me, I would just say enjoy rugby. That's the main thing. Play with a smile on your face. And don't, it's a game of rugby, there's 80 minutes. You know, one mistake isn't going to ruin the game, unless it's the last minute, it's a penalty or something. But um, play with a smile on your face. Work on your basic skills that's going to take you to the next level you know professional rugby isn't it's a bit more physical so you've got a bit more gym work to do but it's just executing basic skills under pressure a bit quicker a bit faster and being able to do it time and time again you know so do your basic skills put a smile on your face and yeah just work right try and get your hands on the ball as much as you can make your tackles hit your rocks if you've got a good aerobic capacity that'll help you leap some bounds onto the next level. I think when I started, I had a pretty good one. And then over, as time got on, I got too much into the mantra of tight head prop can be as heavy as he wants and he'll be fine. So as a tight head prop that loves to get his hands on ball and be involved as much as I can, I've lost a bit of weight over lockdown. And I'm feeling 10 times better for it. So yeah, that's my key My key three. Um, enjoy it, basic skills and work it.
0: And should people be worried about injuries and that sort of thing? Because I know rugby is a game where you're pretty prone to getting injuries uh, and it can put you out for a long time. Uh, and, it, you know, sometimes in some cases it puts you out completely. Um, so has that ever been a big worry of yours?
1: I think in life, if you look at all the risks and risk and reward of doing everything in life, mm. you won't drive a car. You won't walk off the pavement because you've got more chance of being hit by a car or get being killed. You won't go up, to do any. Uh, thrill seeking or anything you won't mountain bike you won't skydive you won't do anything fun so rugby is a dangerous sport but if you do it correctly and you learn the basic techniques and the basic skills of tackling get your head on the right side it's a very safe sport and concussion is a problem in all contact sports but with doing the right neck stuff getting your head on the right side and making sure that you're ready for rugby you should be fine don't hold me to that but what I hate seeing is that I hate seeing guys rock up and just running straight into a session. Do your warm up, as in do your calves, do your hamstrings, do your quads. Warm up your neck, which is the key thing, especially for front row, which does my head in. You see guys just walking up, walking out, out the car, straight with boots on, do nothing, go straight to scrums. And me, for me, that's the screaming, my neck tomorrow's gonna be agony. So warm up your neck and just, yeah, be smart with it, you know. Um, You've seen guys like Jeslyn Colby. If he can play against someone who's 155 kegs in his team called Jota Corey, the big second row, I think you're fine, you know. Um, but it's up to you. It's a lot more fun than football. you probably get more injured at football, more tib-fib breaks. There's more ankle injuries and calf injuries. So <laughs> do, your due, do, do your due diligence. Work out what sport you enjoy and just go for it. Because otherwise, if you worry about everything, you won't do anything. You'll just stay in your room, watch Sky, and you watch everyone else do. So, yeah, pretty sound advice.
0: <laughs> yeah, I really like that. Um, and also, you know, once when you're at this international level, uh, it's obviously highly competitive. Uh, there's a lot of very, very good players, but there's also occasionally some exceptional players. Uh, and what is it for you that distinguishes an exceptional player from a very, very good player? An exceptional
1: player for me is someone who week in, week out, consistently is the top of their game, and there's a few come to mind, but the one for me who's consistently at the top of his game, and you know what you're going to get from him every time, even though his body's broken, is Rob Harley for Glasgow Warriors. I think he's played like 230 games for Glasgow. I think maybe 15 or 20 for Scotland. The guys, he, even if he's got even if he's got a little niggle or something, you, you know he's going to give his absolute all. He's going to hit his rocks. He's going to make his tackles. He's going to give you everything he's got. And as a fellow player. And as a teammate of mine, that's all you can ask of anyone. If he gives, if you give your all, you can't ask for any more than that. And he does it every time he plays. So for me, that is exceptional. He's not getting all the plaudits, and he's not Finn Russell doing chips and chases and stuff. But what I would say to that is, how many times is it coming off, and how many times is it not coming off? You get some guys who can change a game in a moment, like Finn did at the weekend, which is pretty amazing. But the ones for me are the guys that do it week in week out. Like take take Joe Simmons for example at Exeter. He week in week out is winning for that team, kicking his goals and driving that team forward. So yeah, there's there's different classes for me. But if we, if we want an exceptional player. Rob Harley for me is top top, top,
0: top of the pile. Brilliant, love that. Um, and one of the other things that I want to ask you about is the, your kind of mindset before the match. I know in professional sport, and this comes out. Of just before the match, um, there's a lot of kind of meditation that goes on. There's a lot of uh, visualising. There's a lot of you know getting your head in the game, as it's called. So you know, what what do you do to prepare, uh, not just before a match, but you know before games as well?
1: I've sort of got like a, a full day ritual, which is a, it's a bit weird, but uh, it works for me. Um, I've, I've hummed and hard with this a lot throughout my career. You know, I used to be a lot about the, visual, the visualising sometimes we get so pumped up a couple hours before kickoff that by the time kickoff came i was knackered so i've sort of i've got something that works for me now um i keep it pretty chill go out for coffee walk the dogs play with the kids you know have time with the family in the morning um i have my lunch i have a big i have a, I try and get a 40 minute nap if i can if i can not it's not the end of the world I'll, uh, my pre-match is always baking carbonara that i've made the night before i have that i have another coffee get in the car, do my stretches, keep the music nice and chilled, you know, a bit of rock and roll, a bit of hip hop, take it easy, nothing too pump up, and then get strapped. And then when after I get strapped, probably about an hour, hour before kickoff, that's when I put the music on to something a bit heavier, you know, I like something with the beat. Um, I like to dance, I like to just, yeah, go with the flow and try not, try and stay away from the camera. And uh, yeah, a bit of DMX, some beat, Get me good, um, and yeah, just get excited. Visualize, visualize what I'm going to do in the scrum. I like to write down my notepad my three key things I want for the game. So if that's like a solid set piece. I want to make all my tackles, and I want to get my hands on ball. Changes every week, and then yeah, I always write. But at the end of it, enjoy it and draw a smiley face in my notepad. And um, because as I was saying, for me, what, what I found is when I've got a smile on my face and I'm enjoying my rugby, I, I play my best rugby. So. Uh, yeah, I'd write that in my notepad. Notepad's away, gum guard in my sock and then I go out and do my prep for the, for the scrums and stuff and yeah, get going. Come back in with a smile, my face.
0: Yeah, and, and at half time as well, do you have certain things that you do?
1: Try and catch my breath. Uh, yeah, usually, well, you get these energy gels and they're absolute magic and they're like full of carbs and full of sugar. As you try and smash one of them. Talk to the boys about scrums and lineouts. The coach gives us a debrief, and then yeah, back out. It flies by. Everyone's like, "Oh, ten minutes? You've got ages." No, you don't. It literally flies by. <laughs> and then before I go out, as I was saying, I make sure I do my neck, which is just get my neck back, 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 firing up because that ten minutes switches off
0: quite quickly. And speaking of neck, I know that um, in the scrum you you put yourself through a huge amount of pressure. Uh, and I, I, I saw something recently that was like trying to measure the, the actual pressure that you guys put yourselves under. Um, what do you have to do to to relax your body after games?
1: Yeah. Uh, take a lot of muscle relaxants. <laughs> no, I can't say that. Uh, uh, nah, I, I don't know, because I'm, cause I'm 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 conditioned my neck, I'm, and I've done all my stuff during the week. When it comes to game day, the, after the game, I'm actually all right. Touch wood most of the time. Mm. I get like a, I get like a little niggle. I usually just try and stretch it if I can, or just let it be. Um, just the morning the next the day after the game is probably the most crucial part That's when you're the sorest you feel you've been hit by a bus, but it's also like At, at home I don't really get a day off. I've, I've already had my day off before to prepare for the game. So that's me straight into dad mode So and um, yeah, I can't really moan or complain, but I'm usually not that sore that I can't function fully but yeah dad, just day after your neck's a bit stiff then come Monday usually, or Sunday, and I'll try and get in the pool or do an ice bath. I get on a walk bike and I do 10 minutes on the walk bike to get some blood back in my legs and do some stretches, you know, because the thing is with the seasons nowadays, player welfare is going to be, it's not sort of out the window a bit, you know, it's all about who's going to take the best, t- take care of themselves the best. And sometimes it has got to say to the missus, I'm going for a nice bath or I'm going for a a bath and I'm going to do some stretching and go for a walk bike. So she's pretty understanding and I I usually get about half an hour, 45 minutes to myself.
0: Now it's been brilliant uh, following your progress uh, as a Scotland international rugby player and playing for Glasgow as well. Um, For anyone that's listening, uh, what are we kind of expecting from yourself over the next few months, next few years? Where do you want to be?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think for me, I'm really enjoying my rugby. Um, Glasgow's a great, Team to be part of, and we got so close last year to a Pro 14 fight, uh, winning the Pro 14. So, this season has had its up and downs, you know. We probably didn't kick on as much as we should have in the start of the season, but a few Six Nations and stuff, and boys away. So, yeah, nah, I'm just really enjoying my rugby. And for me personally, you know, I just want to keep building what I've been doing well. And if, um, don't get me wrong, I won't be doing chips and chases and kicking conversions, but I think uh, I can still develop my game. I'm, I'm probably only about 40% of what I'm capable of I feel so uh, yeah we're trying to get to the 100% and be the best tight in the world that's the plan but just got to keep taking it day by day week by week and stay humble and keep working hard.
0: Yeah absolutely that's brilliant to hear. Um, as we always do at these end of these podcasts Xander um, um, we do two truths one lie um, so have you got three there for us at the moment?
1: Yeah um, my, my two truths one lie are I have two French Bulldogs i played the violin at school and i was the lead role in greece of our school musical
0: so there we go two truths one lie from zander Fakes. and do let me know on instagram or facebook if you think you know which one is the lie Um, now we're going to be releasing as i said our first of our instagram lives um, likely next week so stay tuned for that Um, and then our next episode will be lined up for next Wednesday at 7pm. See you then.